You ready then, lads? Aye, lad. I think so. You are on a hill. It is Jimmy, it ain't Jack and Jill. You met a man with a jagged beard. Just from his look, he should be fierce. He speaks to you, things of the night. These awful things give you afraid. Debauchery in its purest form. Where death and torture are the norm. Mystery! Speaks of a day where a mystery will come your way. Missing children, creatures of night. A Scottish mystery ban in flight. Mystery Mondays. Mystery Mondays. Mystery Mondays. Mystery Once again, yeah. everybody, to Mystery oh, Mondays. Right. That was by far our most metal <laughs> intro <laughs> so far. And we even actually took 15 minutes to write some lyrics for that one. Yeah. So, you know, we're up in the ante every episode. We're up in the ante oh, every man. single time. Um, some acoustic metal going on right there. Yeah. Oh, three-minute yeah. song that was. Yeah, was it? I think so. Three yeah, minutes? I think so. That's not bad. 15 minutes work. Yeah, that. You know, you know. That's another banger. Next song, as Jack Black yeah, would say. On the next. Next song, that's like Tenacious D, like it's like metal, but it's on an acoustic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Man, I, I dread to think about people walking past outside, so we've got a dentist <laughs> next door to us. And just like that, we, go, we went full ham with that. <laughs> Window wide open. Just Mate, like, that, that's our way though, isn't it? Yeah. I was yeah, almost man. like even surprised at how ham I was doing the the chorus. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? The mystery bits. Yeah, but I man. just... I You didn't have the headphones on as well. When you have the headphones on... <laughs> 
<laughs> it was like heavy <laughs> <laughs> and that's without even distortion mate yeah well I think you know like I'd like to think I haven't that done a roar in a while that no cool. yeah well you know we don't really do things by half measures here do we you know no, no. all in or not in at all we're not the most like tidy production but we are the most passionate production mm. that's what I like to think mm. about Pandora's passion box and yeah. it's, all about. it's all about the passion the passion that you have in your heart that's it, that's it you know we might not be clean shaven we might not be crisp. We might, you know, but it's not do things tasty. by the norm. Oh, no, we mm. But it's fucking tasty. Oh yeah, it's goddamn fucking tasty, baby. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, everybody. <laughs> fuck yeah, because yeah, we're not on the fucking radio. Yeah. Yeah. we're just on the tubes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. motherfucking tubes. Yeah, fuck yeah, motherfuck yeah, baby. Motherfuck yeah, motherfuck yeah, mom. Yeah. So uh, you are listening to Mystery Mondays. Thanks for joining us yet again. Um, if you were just sort of like casually expecting us to just go into a nice little cash mystery today, then, then you um, come to the wrong place. Yeah, then you come to the wrong place because apparently this episode is the most X-rated metal ever <laughs> version of Mystery Mondays oh, to date. Yeah. But as always, we hope that you've had a lovely week out there, people that are listening. Um, we appreciate every single one of you sexy people that are... Uh, tuning in today um it's drew's turn to give us a mystery this week just before we start i want to get up some ambiance and uh, as as i've previously aforementioned not being the most organized people um i haven't got it up already because mm. i forgot so let's it have doesn't a, take him long there it doesn't take me long baby <laughs> all right even with minimum preparation <laughs> <laughs> so um what, what what just think to yourself for a second what mysterious hmm. venture could Drusif take you on today? To embark on on we're about me. to embark on everybody. On a mysterious tale. Oh. Oh. Things just got dark. Why not? Why I would, yeah, Why I wish not? I knew more about it. I probably would. Quetzalcoatlus. Quetzal. The serpent, the flying serpent god. The hummingbird. Oh my. The hummingbird of mystery. Right, so Drew, do you want to take it away, mate? Yeah, man. So today we have a tale of Peter Gibbs. Mmm, Mr. Gibbs. Mr. Gibbs. Mr. Gibbs. Mr. Gibbs. Hello, Mr. Gibbs. Oh, Fancy my. seeing you here, Fancy Mr. Gibbs. Fancy that, Mr. Gibbs. Mm. And it's about a tale of aviation mm. in Scotland. A ah, Scottish an old mystery bound in flight, some would mm. say. An- ah, yes. A ancient mystery bound in flight. Ancient mm. Caledonia. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I will just crack right on with it. <laughs> nice. The skies have always beckoned to us. We wish to fly up within the clouds and the clear blue yonder, to untie the tethers that bind us to land. It is a primal desire, this wish to rise up into the vast skies above our heads and to soar to wherever the wind may take us. Yet this is not always a friendly domain. Aviation and mankind's reach into the stratosphere, a home to some of the greatest mysteries and sinister disappearances history has to offer. Mm-hmm. Here among the clouds are tales of intrigue, mystery, and unexplained vanishings that have managed to perplex us to no end. Mm. Certainly one of the most baffling enigmas of modern aviation 
concerns a flight undertaking under the strange circumstances which would become one of the most oft-discussed and puzzling unexplained disappearances of our time. It would come to be known as the Great Mull Air Mystery, and it is a tale that surely proves that sometimes the skies are not friendly, and the tragedy that may never be fully explained can strike at any time, leaving us to ponder just what has happened and indeed our place in the grand scheme of things. Mm. In the grand scheme of things. The mystery in question revolves around a man by the name of Peter Gibbs, who had served in World War II from January 1944 to March 1945 in the 41 section squadron of the Royal Air Force. Gibbs had a rather unmemorable military career and was best known for his post RAF music career mm. when he became a member of the Philharmonia Orchestra in 1954 and went on to join the prestigious London Symphony Orchestra. Fair play. Even then, his musical career was rather unassuming, except for his infamous public verbal attack on the world-famous conductor Herbert von Krahan. Herbert, who, you suck! <laughs> <laughs> That's what he, he said. was rather notorious for leaving the stage after his shows without waiting for applause or ever taking requests for an encore. You bastard! <laughs> A slight which annoyed Gibbs to no end. Herbert, you bastard! You lily-livered scallywag swain! <laughs> <laughs> One night. Von, I'm gonna go into Scottish. Yeah, good Scottish! One night, Von Crahan did this again. And the next evening, Gibbs gave him a dressing down in front of everyone, fuming, I did not spend four years of my life fighting bastards like you <laughs> to be insulted before our own allies as you did this evening. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, I fear, I fear that Drew has become possessed by the very soul of, of Peter, Peter Gibbs. Gibbs. Drew's got lost in the story. It was a shocking statement that would ruin his career in music and at the same time become what he was most knownly known for up to that point. Sadly, what... Ooh. Oh, Peter Gibbs, is that you? Interference? I'm sorry. From my, beyond the grave. I'm sorry, my friends. You know what Let they me say? just tickle my microphone. Electronical oh. equipment can sometimes malfunction oh around spirits. Malfunction! Sadly, what Gibbs would ultimately become most famous for was the mysterious circumstances surrounding his death. <gasps> Cluedo. Someone if anyone wants to see Peter Gibbs, here he is. Here he is. Quite a handsome man, actually. Quite a handsome. He looks fellow. like he could be related to you. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think that was why I was so um, um, drawn to this story. He's got like dark mm. eyes, but pale skin and big lips. He's a bit mm. like Morrissey. Big like a cross lips, between Morrissey and plans. Drew. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Peter Gibbs, yeah. Also, he was a good musician. Yeah. Mm. You know. well, it didn't say what he played, did he? No, for some reason, I was imagining some sort of brass. Oh, okay. Like a trumpet or something. Yeah, I was imagining a violin. Oh. Hmm. Should we try and find that out, just out of interest? Pete, we can do yeah. it at the end of the gig. Yeah, at the end of the gig. I was going to say, we can do it at the end of the gig. <laughs> oh, I will just set. quickly have a look. Let's have a look. Peter oh, Gibbs. Yeah. My guess is some kind of brass. Pete, I, I reckon a trumpet or a trombone. I was what thinking a trumpet. instrument did... Peter Gibbs play. Oh, Peter Frampton. Who is Peter? The Great British Bake Off 2020. Why is Drew's microphones going in and out? Isn't it? Oh, there it is. There you are. We have a malfunctioning microphone in the studio. The spirit of Peter Gibbs is with us. I will not touch it anymore. And he is angry. 
Um, I do not see this Peter Gibbs on this page. No, we, we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to look that up. I'll try and have a look. I'll try and have a look for you. Guys. Oh, oh, I oh, found oh, it. Oh, I see what you see. Violi violinist. <gasps> That's crazy. No, the that spirit man. of Peter Gibbs is with me. So he was yeah. a violinist. I reckon so. he's. A, I reckon somehow you're related. Because like, because like, violin is like shredding. I do you like know what I reckon? I reckon that you're like you had like your great granddad had like a sister with a gib, and like yeah, had like a Gibbsby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I reckon like your great great granddad had a sister and had that's why she he's not an Armstrong. Mm. And she married a Gibbs and they had Peter Gibbs. That's what I reckon. Fair enough, man. I've decided. <laughs> decided Drew's backstory. And he's and he's that's why Drew knew he was a violinist. Mm. And that's and why, why Drew brought the story to us. Yeah. Mm. And why they look so similar. Apart from obviously that Drew mm. is um, you know, a hairy musician of the modern era. Um but you know, if Drew was like clean cut like I that guy, I wish I looked that mm. handsome. Cool. Ah, oh, well you know, mate. You know. <laughs> it's on the eye of beholder, isn't it, beauty? Yeah. If I shut my chop my beard off a bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to show you something funny after. I won't. I won't go into that now, though. Right. So right. after the incident with Von Von Krahan, oh, yeah. who was the the bastard, the bastard, who used to walk off stage with no encore. That's really rude, man. Yeah. Mm. That's just bad form, isn't it? Yeah. I can see why that would annoy. Well, that would annoy. Yeah, especially musician. at the time. I think it's been another thing always, hasn't it? Like mm. you know, one more song. Mm. Even back mm. then, one more song. It's like one you just, more song. It's like you just know it, it happens, and if it yeah. doesn't, then the crowd usually boos. Ah, they'll like, be like, ah, oh. yeah. So after this incident, he faded into relative obscurity until one Christmas Eve in 1975. He was having dinner with his girlfriend Felicity Granger at the Glen Forster Hotel on the Isle of Mull, Scotland. They had just returned from the nearby Isle of Skye, where they had inspected a property that they wished to buy. That rhymed. Ah, it did. <laughs> At the time, Gibbs was a managing director of a property development company called Gibson Ray, and he had been looking to invest to buy a hotel in the Isle of Skye. After dinner. So after dinner. Gibbs suddenly announced that he wanted to go out flying a plane for rent. A red and white Cessna F 150H was not. kept. <laughs> a red and white Cessna! He wanted to go ride a white Cessna! <laughs> ah, just like Jamie Fraser! <laughs> <laughs> just like James Fraser! He certainly read a right white Cessna! Cessna! Clear! <laughs> Hear that, please! <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So um so yeah, so we wanted to fly this uh, red and white Cessna 5150H um that was kept in the adjacent airfield. The desire to go flying was uh, was not strange in itself as Gibbs had been flying privately ever since leaving the RAF after the war and he even owned his own plane. But it was a little strange that he suddenly would want to um, go out flying alone in the black of night on a whim after having a dinner date with his girlfriend. Mm. I don't like speaking in my normal accent. I'm going to have to go yeah, back yeah, to Scottish. Get embraced, uh, Peter Gibbs. Yeah, Peter. Be with me now, spirit of Peter. Be with me now, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> the hotel staff was not in agreement with Gibbs's plan, especially since the airfield did not allow night flights and was not even equipped with landing lights. On top of that, it was a rather dark and moonless night at the time, and the staff implored him not to go. Nevertheless, Gibbs was adamant about going flying, and reportedly he told staff, I'm not asking permission, I just thought it was a courtesy to let you know. 
I don't want a fuss. That mm. was Peter. That's mm. what Peter said. Fair play. With his girlfriend in tow, Gibbs headed down to the airfield around 9.30pm and told Granger to light up the end of the runway by hand with bright torches. Considering the clear skies, he was confident this would be adequate to light and fly, uh, light his way and give him frame of reference for a clear takeoff. This would later pose its own mystery, as several witnesses would later claim that there had been two sets of torches moving independently, suggesting more than one person guiding the plane, but Granger would always claim it had only been her out on the runway. Mm. Before taking off, Gibbs informed Granger that he would return shortly, after which he roared off into the night sky in a Cessna F-150H. One witness of the takeoff, a David Howitt, who watched from the nearby hotel with binoculars. Peeping Tom, some would say. (laughs) 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 Would later say uh, that it had been a flawless with no signs of engine trouble or difficulty as the plane shot off into the night. Gibbs would never be seen alive again. Whoa, Mm. and we got a picture of the airfield here. You might not be able to see very well, but that's just a... Yeah, you can basically it's see the hotel with some planes. in the corner. So that was where Peeping Tom was taking a look. Peeping, Peeping Tommy. Peeping Tommy. That's my granddad. <laughs> <laughs> That's his granddad. Tommy Armstrong. Peeping Tommy Armstrong. Peeping Tommy. <laughs> when 10pm came and went with no signs of the plane returning, a concerned Granger went back to the hotel to inform staff that Gibbs was missing. By this time, the weather had taken a turn for the worse and it was sleeting heavily outside. The hotel staff called police who went out to inspect the airfields for signs of trouble, of which they found none. The projected flight path was also inspected but there were no signs of anything amiss. For the following day on Christmas, Gibbs still had not returned and a major search of the area was launched. Excuse me a second. Sorry about that. It's alright. It's alright. Sometimes. Do you know when you like... Yeah. You get repeated on. Oh, you get repeated on by (coughs) by the ghost of Peter Gibbs. Peter, settle down now. (laughs) Settle down. (laughs) So a major search of the area was launched and involved many RAF and naval air service helicopters, sonar equipment to look for the wreckage on the seafloor and hundreds of volunteers. You can imagine if he was an ex-RAF like like a soldier. Mm. They they would have been, they'd wanted to, you know. Yeah. uh, Search for him. So the RAF and the naval air services were involved. The massive search efforts scoured the countryside of the small island. And it's a small island as well, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it's not like a... In the, in the not many places for him to mm. hide. Mm. And large swaths of the surrounding area, yet not a single trace of Gibbs or the Cessna had been fl- uh, that he'd been flying could be found. He had seemingly just vanished off the face of the earth. That seems like it would be the last anyone would hear of Gibbs. But the real mystery was only just beginning. <gasps> oh, now we have a mystery. In April 1975, a full four months after the disappearance, a local shepherd by the name of Donald McKinnon made a shocking discovery on a hillside a mere mile from the hotel and the airfield. There sprawled out in full view upon the ground, about 400 feet up the hill, was the body of the missing Gibbs wearing boots and fully clothed. Authorities were puzzled by the find, 
<clears throat> as the body was discovered in, the, in an area that had been totally searched in the weeks of Gibbs' di disappearance, and no local farmers or shepherds in the area had seen anything out of the ordinary uh, there, when they were there in the preceding months, despite frequently frequent, frequenting the area mm. regularly. Mm. Mm, so they hadn't seen anything. That was a bit strange. It is as if the corpse of Peter Gibbs had appeared, had materialized by the will of some sort of phantom or mm. or power not of this world. Mm. Oh, some hag of the forest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the hag of the highlands. The hag of the highlands. Um, at first, it was thought that Gibbs had simply crashed into the sea and somehow managed to swim to shore and go to die of exposure, which I didn't really realise meant die of the cold. Mm. <clears throat> but there was no evidence of seawater or any maritime organisms found on the body or, or his clothes or his boots. Mm. Mm. Do we know how long he was dead for? Four months. Ah, so yes, it does say, as we will as it gets into it says somewhere as well that they did know that it, his time of death was four months ago as well additionally the position of the body on the hillside would have meant that Gibbs would have had to crawl from the sea clamber up a steep steep cliff wall cross the road leading to the hotel and then climb 400 feet up the hillside on his own it's not possible I tell you it's not possible it's not even possible even for Peter Gibbs even for Peter Gibbs himself why would he do that if he could have just if, if he had just crashed and was dying it would also suggest that he may have somehow fallen out of the plane or parachuted out of a malfunctioning parachute. Huh? Parachuted <laughs> out, out with of, ah, a malfunctioning parachute. Mm, surely they would but, have found the parachute. Yeah, but the body the showed no signs of serious injury, with only one minor cut on the leg and certainly none that would be consistent with a high-speed life-threatening impact. Was there any like signs whether it was like... Smell or anything else that indicated that if he'd been in the sea or not. So no, it said there was oh, no maritime life right. on his body. So it, it seems like from what we can ascertain that his body did, did not, not enter, enter the, the sea, sea. At, at any point. It's like he jumped out of the plane. Mm. But, there there there, no but there was no parachute, and there was no and there like was broken no, bones no, or anything no like that. No, there was no form of impact. No, Which, no, let's face no it, sign if, of impact. If you broke, just a wee cut on his leg. Yeah, let's say if you jumped out of a plane. And you hit the ground without uh, aid of a parachute, you would break bones. Oh, savagely! Unless he had that adamantium skeleton, bone. like w Wolverine, mm. or that other guy that ah, yeah, yeah. granite bones, granite bones, old granite bones, <laughs> old Peter Gibb granite bones, <laughs> <laughs> granity Gibbs. <laughs> there was additionally no sign of a parachute at the scene or anywhere in the vicinity. In fact, the body was in remarkably good condition for having apparently lain on the hillside outside in the element for four months, four showing months. little decomposition and mm. being relatively free of damage from scavengers. Yeah, you'd think the body would be messed up it, after four, four months. Four months, that's a third although, of a year. Although an in-depth autopsy uh, was told that Gibbs had indeed been dead for four months. Right. So it's almost no like he's been like preserved. Yeah, he's been preserved in, in some his eyeballs and everything are hey, it's all prepared. Preserved. I mean, I know it's quite cold in the highlands, but mm. it's not like, you know, it's not like the Antarctic, where you'd mm. think it would like freeze you solid. I could believe that. Mm. But, you know, in the but highlands. no signs of, of what Decomposition, no like foxes coming and nibbing at his no. heels. Mm. Been kept up, in a up meat on a hill room for something. four months. That'd be like, you'd mm. get eaten by some badgers. Oh, yeah. Even just like insects mm. would eat your eyeballs and your ball bag. A toxicological test further revealed no traces of alcohol, drugs, or poisons in his body. 
Mm. The stumped patholo pathologists would ultimately decide that the cause of death had been exposure, suggesting that he had exited the plane somehow and died on land, but that was still no sign of the aircraft, aircraft, or even any wreckage for it anywhere, and the body itself posed more questions than it answered. Adding further layers to the mystery, there was absolutely no sign of the aircraft Gibbs had been flying. Considered that the body had been found on land and showed absolutely no evidence of having been in the sea at any point, it was thought that the plane had to be somewhere nearby, yet there was no trace of it anywhere. The mystery of the missing plane would hang over the case for 11 years, until September 1986 when two clam fishermen from Mull, by the names of Richard and John Grieve, ah. discovered a red and white air aircraft upon the seabed under 100 feet of water around half a kilometre off the coast of Oban. The two divers claimed that the plane was the Cessna and that it bore the registration GAVTN, the very same that Gibbs aircraft had had. Mm. The divers reported that they had examined the plane and could find no human remains. It was also reported that the plane exhibited signs of a massive impact, with both of its wings and one of its landing wheels torn completely off and strewn about the sea floor, as well as a gaping hole in the windshield. Mm. The aircraft's engine had also apparently been dislodged by the impact and thrown a significant distance away from the plane itself. An odd little detail is that it was claimed that both doors of the aeroplane had been locked from the inside, meaning anyone who had been in the plane when it had crashed would have had to have exited through the hole in the windshield. Mm. So how he got out? He must have got out through that windshield. That if might you, explain the cut on his leg, hmm. but then it doesn't explain why there wasn't any signs of impact or, or, or like salt or, water or, yeah, or, or anything any like that on his body. Because salt water's got such a distinct smell as unless well. He, like, unless he like um, jumped out, smashed the window somehow, and jumped out just before, before the plane hit when the it ocean. Was low, but before it hit the ocean. That's I don't know how far out it was. Yeah. Oh, actually, it says, does it say? Oh, yeah, ha half a kilometre off the coast. So mm. half a kilometre is not that far, is but it? But it's quite far. It is quite far. So to swim out to sea. If he jumped half a kilometre, you know, mm. back, out, yeah. that was what he'd have had to do, I reckon. And then he had to swim all the way back to shore, climb up the cliff yeah. in the dark. Mm. And then what? how many miles from the shore was he? It's quite a long way. Yeah. It, it, how how far was it from the hotel? Ah, oh, god damn it! It doesn't <laughs> tell you how far it was from the hotel, yeah. but it was off the old Isle of Oban. Yeah. Uh, the two divers claimed that the plane uh, was a Cessna. Oh yeah, I've read that bit. Cessna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, unfortunately, although the report, <laughs> although the report by the divers was considered credible, the wreckage itself was never recovered. Mm. Nor could it ever even be relocated. So they have mm. to take the fisherman old Dickie and Johnny B's word mm. for it, really. It could just be mm. a little Waitley. And all that remained as evidence uh, were some pictures of the wreck that were too blurry to confirm or deny the diver's accounts. So they actually took some photos. That's pretty cool. Mm. Oh, Peter, get down! Stop repeating on me. Peter, <coughs> he's having some issues with the soul of Peter Gibbs, everybody. It is to be expected in uh, cases of uh, demonic or ghostly mm. possession. <laughs> it could also not be ascertained from the photos whether the crash could have been survivable. 
Although some experts claim that anyone in the pl in the plane would have been on the very le at the very least very severely injured, uh, which is not consistent with the relatively uninjured state of Gibbs's corpse. In the end, the discovery of this wreckage only served to deepen the mystery of the case, and it was uh, still is uncertain whether this was even really Peter Gibbs's plane after all. It could have just been wanting to add to the mystery. Mm. So many questions orbit this, ca orbit this case, like. which have never been satisfactorily, satisfactorily answered. The Scottish find it hard to say that word. Yeah, it's quite a hard word to say at the best of Unlike times. the word ascertain, ascertain, which just rolls off the oh, Scottish tongue ascertain. beautifully. Ascertain. Ascertain. Sassanak. Ascertain Sassanak. Ascertain Sassanak. Ascertain the relevant information, Sassanak. <laughs> Why did Gibbs decide to go out flying that fateful evening in such unfavourable night conditions? Was there only one person guiding with the torches as Granger claimed, or were there more as claimed by other witnesses? If there had been another third party on the runway, then who were they and why were they there? Why is it that Gibbs's body was found four months later on a nearby hillside in an area that had already been heavily searched and which was frequently passed by farmers and shepherds? Shenanigans! How did he get there and how did he die? Where did he come from? <laughs> Where, did he go? <laughs> Where did he come from? Where did he come from? Where did he go? Where did he come from? Cutney Gibbs. Cutney Gibbs. Cutney Gibbons. How did Gibbs become separated from his aircraft? Indeed, what exactly happened after the plane took off? So many questions. With so many unanswered questions, and despite pieces of weird evidence, as well as the old odd condition of the body and uncertain details about the plane, it is only natural that speculation has swelled around the case for years, ranging from that somewhat plausible to the absurd. The seemingly most obvious solution, at least on the surface, and I know you say sometimes that sometimes, the, uh, most of the time, the most obvious is the answer. Occam's razor. Occam's razor That's is what, what it's called. It. Occam's razor. Ah, so, uh, at least on the surface, uh, which is that Gibbs had either crashed his plane into the sea or bailed out before impact, like we were saying oh. earlier, mm. despite, uh, doesn't seem to fit considering factors such as the condition of his body and the lack of any seawater. I would sea expect a couple of broken bones, mm. personally. Yeah. Also, the area is so hilly that it would have been very unlikely for him to have manoeuvred there at a low enough altitude to jump out without considering, uh, con considerable without injury and without <laughs> crashing. And if he had managed uh, to parachute from the plane successfully, where did the parachute go? Mm. It disappeared into the night. How did it disappear? I, there, it yes. Go? Maybe it's one of those biodegradable parachutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Uh, also, how, how could um, he have exited the plane only for it to continue barreling along mm. on its own way without a pilot to crash into the sea maybe some the, distance away? Maybe the plane itself was and, possessed. Aye, like Knight Rider. Knight, Knight. <laughs> and how did it lock its own doors? Knight Rider. Knight Rider. <laughs> There's also a Stephen King novel about a car that takes on a personality Buick of its own. Buick 8. Is it? It's called Buick 8. Yes, Is it right? I like that. And I think it's possessed by the uh, soul of a serial killer. Mm. Isn't that right? Something like that. Yeah, I think and it's And then it's like a, it's a killer car. So mm. maybe this is a killer plane. Killer plane. 
There is also the fact that even if Gibbs had indeed really crashed into the sea uh, and improbably crawled from the twisted wreckage to swim half a kilometre in freezing water to safety, why would he willingly cross them past the road leading to the hotel where he could have been rescued only to continue 400 feet up the hillside it, to die? It doesn't make sense. And how would no one have found him? Mm. Indeed, how could he have survived such catastrophic crash in the first place? And where was the seawater and injuries uh, one would expect if this were the case? Very little of this theory seems to make sense. Another theory is that Gibbs had been killed in cold blood and his body dumped on the hillside, possibly due to some sort of criminal activity or business transaction gone wrong. That sounds more believable to mm. me. There have been claims that Gibbs had been involved in gun running and Ooh. even a diamond heist in Oban, as well as rumours that he had perhaps been involved in some shady business practices. Some shady business practices. Naughty Mr. Gibbs. So it seems Mr. as though Gibbs. there could have theoretically been a motive to do such a thing. However, there are many things wrong with this idea as well. Even if someone could have pulled off overcoming Gibbs within the confines of the small aircraft without losing control and executing the perfect takeoff reported by witnesses, they would have had to had to somehow have killed him in such a way as to leave no serious injuries. Get down, Peter Gibbs! Get down! On the body and make it look like he had died of exposure, as per the coroner's report. And and uh, then they crashed the plane and dragged the body up the ho uh, hole in the windshield, pulled it to shore and hid it for four months. Or they dumped the body in flight without damaging it and then crashed the plane. It doesn't make much sense. The murder theory is somewhat supported in, in um, a sense by an odd detail given by a witness that said that the plane um, on the night in question had taken an unusually long time to warm up on the runway, suggesting that Gibbs was perhaps either distracted or talking to someone before takeoff, who would have not, uh, who would not have been Granger standing with the torches on the runway, so someone else apart from Granger. It was also claimed that the lane lights on the plane flashed more times than usual before the plane took off, suggesting a struggle, an unfamiliarity with the aeroplane, or uh, that at least things weren't going quite according to plan. However, the takeoff had gone smoothly without any signs of a problem. Mm. So that's a bit weird. So mm. it was a bit, it was like on the runway for ages before it took mm. off. Could have been a struggle. Mm. Mm. Other theories are that Gibbs was involved in smuggling in a smuggling operation and wasn't on the plane, but rather waiting on the hillside. No, I'm going to go back to Scottish, sorry about that. But rather <laughs> waiting on the hillside for the package to arrive when he died of exposure. Another is that Gibbs himself orchestrated the crash in order to fake his own death, mm. to escape some debt or business dealing. Ironically, but he was he finally died. tracked down and killed, mm. with his body dumped on the hillside to serve as a warning to his business partners. Mm. Others say that Granger had arranged for Gibbs to be murdered. Murdered! Mm. Dirty Granger! That he was shot from the sky by terrorists, that he was an MI5 spy, on a mission um, to Northern Ireland and was killed and dumped as a warning. Maybe it was Herbert. Or that he'd even been abducted by aliens. Because uh, when a case is this weird, why not? Yeah. I think this is one of the most uh, mysterious mysteries we've had in a way. Yeah. Like because my brain is scrambling for some sort of explanation. Logical conclusion. But it's not really. I think, you know, I think, you know, did he jump from the plane? Well, no, because he would have broken bones. And, and the plane I'm was seriously messed up as well, so it definitely crashed. And it's I like reckon if I was to come to a conclusion, I re my guess would be 
that he was he was taken out before he ever got on the plane. Right, I reckon they got him. Then they just took him somewhere and like made him die from exhaustion. Because four months is a long time to be somewhere. So I reckon that's enough time to, well, they kill, could, him like, a, to maybe kill him in a way they that could, they wouldn't be able to they know. They could you know asphyxiation. What I mean? They could just... Exactly. They could kill him like that. There's not really many signs from that. You know what I mean? And then um, obviously they could, they could have just done exactly what we were discussing... Mr. Gibbs could have done and just crashed the plane and then out. parachuted out exactly. on another plane mm. or a speed boot mm. disappeared into the night and I they've think. made a they've made a nice story there for, mm. for people to believe. I like to imagine that if I was going to make a movie out of it it would be Herbert mm. that got his revenge on Peter Gibbs mm. for his calling out mm. of ah, his shenanigans there was someone in the plane with him he locked the doors and he says I'm going to have you with my conductor stick yeah. right now yeah. Peter Gibbs yes. Yes. Really and, and, he him. <laughs> and he scratched his leg scratched it if it was a movie it would be like you know the beginning of the movie it would be like him leaving the army and joining the orchestra and then it would be mm. the bit where he's like Herbert you bastard and then it'll just like cut to Herbert backstage going up to a shady associate and he was like, One of these days I'm gonna take care of that, mm. that Mr. Gibbs. Who have a cool like finishing line as well, say something like, Now's time for my encore before he kills him. <laughs> yeah, that'd take be Take that for an encore, bitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> for all these theories and all the rampant speculation. Rampant. Rampant. That's another good Scottish oh, word. A good word, yeah. The question oh. of what happened to Peter Gibbs remains just as unsolved and mysterious as it ever was. The Great Mullair mystery has become one of aviation's most puzzling conundrums, baffling both expert and conspiracy theorists alike. It has inspired curiosity, discussion, debate and much theorising, yet the absence of any good further evidence it seems unlikely will ever truly know the answers to any of the case uh, confounding array of questions. Mm. What happened to Peter Gibbs on that fateful night? Do the answers lie out there in the bottom of the ocean, or somewhere scattered across the island? Or are they lost to time and forever out of our reach? Mm. The mystery remains. The Ooh. mystery of Peter Gibbs. I like the outro. It remains. It remains. A mystery forever. Or maybe mm. one day we'll know, but maybe not we today. Will one day. Well, to be honest, we put a lot of thing on that of like that that was true about the plane. But it was never actually, uh, as in, you know, the, the divers seeing that plane, but it was never actually corroborated mm. by, a, a, you know, a, another source. Yes, I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that maybe that was made up. Mm. To be honest the with you. Divers. But why would they do that 11 years later? Yeah. It's very weird. Unless they wanted a wee claim to fame. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe they were just out diving. They're like, you know what? I heard this mystery about this guy. And they wanted their five minutes of fame, as you said. Yeah, let's let's make something up about mm. this. Ah, who knows? That is it. What are you looking for there, laddie? All, all will for? become clearer in time. <laughs> but um, I think that uh, it's important that uh, before we go today, I'm concerned that the Rue soul has been taken, oh. taken hold of by um the, the by the Peter. ghost the ghost of. Peter. Of Peter Gibbs, as you can tell, he's acting very strangely. So um, I, I will call upon the the Father, the Son, and, and the, the Holy, Holy Ghost to uh, help me exercise Peter. the spirit of Peter, Peter Gibbs. Peter. I also call upon Peter. call upon the spirit of Gandalf the Grey, Peter. as Peter. when Theoden is taken hold of by Saruman and and Grimar Wormtongue in the Peter. Two Towers. 
and Thirton says to Gandalf, he's like, you have no power here, Gandalf Stormcrow. So, I call upon the father, the son, and I expel you, Peter! I expel you! Like poison from a wound! Release him! Release him, Peter! Release him! Release him! He's gone! He's gone, everybody! Peter Gibbs! He's gone, and Drew... Drew is back with us again. Drew is back with us. Welcome back, Drew! Hello! Has been saved. And on that note, we have come to the end of another Mystery Mondays. Stay safe, everybody. Seek salvation in the truth. And we shall see you next week for another Mystery Mondays. Thank you for that, Mystery Mondays, Drew, and I appreciate you putting your very soul on the line. All in the name of Mystery Mondays. <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> sister!